You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Oh, I'm broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Make sure you're using promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. We're inching a little bit closer to it. We got uh, one more day of sort of grab baggy type stuff. And then tomorrow, we begin the process of looking into the Denver Broncos, breaking down that game. First of all, just giving them a general overview. Saturday, the plan will be to um, look at strategies and whatnot. Sunday will be Positivity Sunday, mixed with picks and whatnot. It's a very whatnot-y kind of day, apparently. And that's it. And then we got Victory Monday the next day, so that'll be nice. Just got done recording the seven-round mock draft for the Denver Broncos, if you want to check that out. Overtime NFL Draft Edition. Thank you for those of you who have left iTunes reviews. It is greatly helpful and appreciated. Very quickly before the break, I just want to look at Thursday night's matchup right quick. We have got the Rams and the Seahawks, seemingly inconsequential, but these are two NFC teams. These are two potential playoff contenders. Uh, the general consensus is that this is going to be uh, the Rams just steamroll their way into the playoffs, so that shouldn't matter too much to us until we get into the playoffs. The Seahawks, though, could be a wild card contender. I think things could get pretty interesting, though, if the Seahawks win the game. And the Seahawks are at home, and the Rams are coming off a pretty ugly loss to a not-super-great team. And if you look at the dynamic of the Rams' defense maybe not being super-great, actually, interestingly enough, the Seahawks are favored to win, which is kind of crazy. I think it's primarily just the home-field advantage. So maybe on a neutral field, the Rams are ahead a little bit, but that is that is a little bit crazy. But again, you, you look at the dynamic of the Rams' defense not being great, giving the Seahawks an opportunity to be able to score a good amount of points, which I don't think the Rams' defense is bad, but they looked bad last week. And if that continues, this could spell pretty big problems for the Rams, especially against the Seahawks, who, despite losing a lot of talent, are still relatively talented on defense. I think um, I think I'm going to be rooting for the Seahawks in this game. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those things that I'm torn on, because if the Seahawks win, you got to wonder, are they legitimate? But I think the biggest... The biggest benefit for us would be for the Rams to not be quite as dominant as they have been and to slowly start to see that decline. Because it's really just about the Packers winning a Super Bowl. And um, the more talented... I, I said last year that would be one of the hardest years to win a Super Bowl. As good as the Patriots were, as good as the Chiefs were, as good as the Rams were. There's so many teams that were just not just good in, in, in the playoffs, but just like, oh my goodness, how is anybody going to beat these teams? And I, I think we're seeing a slight decline in, in a lot of teams. There's still some really talented teams. The Patriots seem completely unstoppable. But, um, you know, the, the Bears are obviously beatable because we just beat them. That offense is putrid. Uh, the Vikings are in full collapse mode. The Eagles just beat us, but clearly are, are beatable because they've lost to not great teams. Cowboys, we don't know yet. Uh, they played one moderately good team minus Drew Brees and lost that game. So we'll see. I mean, right now it's it's kind of, you know, the Saints when Drew Brees comes back, you know, are the 49ers for real? Are the Cowboys for real? Are the Eagles going to get better? Otherwise, it's it's kind of just Saints-Rams. Those are the other two teams that we got to be worried about. I mean, obviously, the Bears and, and Vikings have the talent if they can turn it around. The Lions, are they for real? We could ask a lot of questions, 
But again, compared to what we saw last year, you know, again, the Eagles have some serious question marks. The Giants are no good. The Redskins are no good. The Cardinals are no good. The Rams aren't what they were. The Seahawks, I think, are still slowly declining. Uh, the Bears offense is clearly worse than, than last year. The Vikings, as I said, are in collapse mode. Uh, the, the Buccaneers, although they put up big points, they were doing that last year. They just played, they played terrible all year, but then they put up 55 points on somebody just to, you know, they beat the Saints week one, like 700 to nothing or 700 to 600. I don't know. Uh, Panthers don't look very good. The Falcons look terrible. I mean, it's just the NFC is, is kind of more collapsing than building. The only teams that seem moderately better, probably the Packers and Cowboys and maybe Lions, 49ers, I guess. I, I don't know. So again, I'm 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 leaning toward wanting the Seahawks to win because then you got to start wondering about the Rams, which is a good thing. And I think the Seahawks, with the level of talent that they have, although talented, and especially when you're playing them at home, I kind of like our odds against them. They don't have elite talent to the point where it's like I don't even know what to do. Their offensive line is no good. Their wide receivers are kind of meh. Their defense is definitely not unbeatable. This is not the Legion of Boom anymore. In fact, their corners are pretty suspect. So if it if, if it got to be, you know, let's say a Packers-Seahawks um, wild card game, I kind of like our odds in that. Whereas the Rams, they, they have a lot of, of high-end talent that you kind of look at and go, man, I just, we, we've got to be on our A game. So I'm rooting for a Rams collapse. That's what I'm rooting for here. Otherwise, I also have a decent amount. I actually, I actually put in DK Metcalf on my team just because he's playing on Thursday and I want to have three guys playing on Thursday. <laughs> It's going to be horrible when the Rams or the uh, the Seahawks score three points and I end up having, I lose the whole game because I wanted to have a fun Thursday. But you know what? That's what I do, man. I think it could be a shootout, and I think DK could be a uh, important piece to try to beat the Rams who are going to try to run up the score. Anyways, that's all I really have to say about that. Let's take a break and uh, start talking about the Packers. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first things first, I want to start with the injury report that came out yesterday. Both teams are pretty well banged up. There's a lot of players here. Some of them are just limited, and, and you know they'll probably be playing, but I just want to run through them. We'll start with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the, the biggest concern right now for the Cowboys, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a lot. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good players. 
that are on the list. Again, some of them are probably going to play, but the, the thing that stands out, not only is uh, Tyron Smith uh, not practicing, and it, I mean, he's not going to play, but Lael Collins is on the list. Lael Collins is currently their right tackle, and he is having a breakout year of all breakout years. I mean, he, he for years, I mean, this is year five for him. Um, he's been mediocre to kind of a poor uh, player for some time. Currently ranked PFF's number one tackle in the NFL. So maybe it's a little fluky. Maybe, you know, it's just the fact that all the pressure has been coming from the other side, the left side. He hasn't gone up against anybody. I don't know. But either way, uh, Lael Collins being out would put them in a very, 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 very serious bind. You know, they already don't have a left tackle. Uh, Connor Williams, who they drafted a couple years ago, is playing left guard. He has not been very good last year or this year. I don't know what's going on with Travis Frederick, one of the best centers in the NFL. He's having a really terrible year. Overall, this offensive line just is not is not getting it done. Uh, again, great left tackle, but he's out. Great right tackle, but he's hurt. Essentially, it's a struggling Travis Frederick and then a you know talented Zach Martin. It's is a, a shell of its former former glory. And um, right now, as I'm reading up on it, they're kind of anticipating maybe he's not playing. Leo Collins' back is acting up. They're sliding um, Connor Williams, who was a tackle. They, they drafted a tackle, put him at left guard. Connor Williams, who, as I said, has not been very good at guard, over to right tackle, which maybe, maybe he started. I don't know. They may have tried him there because I feel like Leo Collins was on the inside at some point. Maybe they just mixed it up. Either way... Um, if this holds up, you're going to have Fleming at left tackle. You're going to have Connor Williams, who is not great at right tackle. And then Xavier Suofilo is going to come in and be the uh, left guard. Xavier Suofilo, um, he's really bad. I mean, he is really, really bad. So, I mean, th- this is very, very serious. Not only do they not have their left tackle, but I think Lael Collins being out could could legitimately be doomed for this team. Now, again, it's still early, and, I, you know, I mean, Brian Balaga's had back issues. I actually know it was uh, David Bakhtiari. He had his back kind of locked up on him, and he was fine. Maybe Lael Collins is going to play. Either way, you've got your starting left guard taking his reps at right tackle. It's not the greatest thing. Lael Collins will not be getting practice, and Connor Williams is sort of not getting practice. We'll see. Again, that is that is a pretty serious situation for Dallas. Uh, Tyrone Crawford is also not practicing. He did not. He he hasn't played since week two. He is a uh, defensive lineman for the Cowboys, which is going to hurt their not only their talent, but their depth. They still got a great defensive front. Um, Demarcus Lawrence is still a monster. He's not having nearly as good a year as um, he has in the past. However, Robert Quinn is kind of stepping up and becoming a pretty talented guy opposite Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, listen to me. Am I still stuck in the college draft stuff or what? Demarcus Lawrence. So either way, he's got a lingering issue that are supposedly is going to be lasting all year. So even if he does play, which he probably won't with a hip issue, um, he's going to be in pretty tough shape. That's it as far as did not practice, but there's a bunch of people that were limited. Amari Cooper currently has an ankle injury. Uh, he's been dealing with foot and ankle stuff pretty much all year. He's still going out there and playing, so I would anticipate him still being out there. Um, you know, again, if we're looking at PFF, I'll stand by what I said, and it's very similar to what I've said about Dak Prescott. I think Amari Cooper is somewhat overrated. He's a talented guy. He's a guy that can definitely hurt you. I'm not saying I'm not scared of him, but he's been graded in the 70s every year except one when he was in the 60s, right? I mean, we're not talking about 80s, which is very good, or 90s. And in fact, Michael Gallup is actually graded much higher than him in his second year. He's a guy that you really need to worry about, and Michael Gallup is also limited. He's probably also going to play. Again, most of these limited guys probably will, but he does have a knee injury. 
Other guys, uh, their punter, Chris Jones, was limited with a back injury. Demarcus Lawrence is limited with a knee injury. Sean Lee, the linebacker, is limited with a knee injury. I'm sorry, that was full participation. Zach Martin, the guard, also has a back issue. Again, limited, so he's probably going to be fine. But David Bakhtiari had a back issue. I was speculating that maybe that was part of the problem with him as far as why he's not having as good of a year. Um, and again, that's that we're, we're talking about one of the last remaining truly talented guys on this team, on this offensive line, excuse me. I don't know. We'll see. Um, otherwise, um, Antoine Woods' defensive tackle is limited with a knee injury. For the Packers, the guys that did not practice, Devontae Adams, uh, I talked about yesterday, you know, the possible situation of him. Maybe they're just kind of playing coy and he's going to play. They're trying to mess with him. I don't know. I, I'm thinking he's not going to play, but we'll see. Tony Brown did not practice with a hamstring. Kyler Fackrell did not practice with a shoulder injury. Kevin King did not practice with a groin injury. So obviously after having possibly the best game of his entire career, he ends up hurting his groin. And Jamal Williams obviously did not practice because of his concussion issue. Guys that were limited in practice, Montrevious, um, that's actually more of a positive than anything because he's coming back. Brian Balaga was limited, pretty normal for him. He does have a shoulder injury. Um, I mean, we, we, I've already talked about how important it is that we have him. It's just as important against Dallas with uh, Lawrence as with a lot of these other guys. Uh, we, we need him to go. So it's actually good that he was limited. He was practicing, so he should be ready to go. But, um, man, I hope he can hold up for the year because we are in trouble if, if, if and when he goes down. Oren Burks was limited, which is kind of nice. I don't know that we're necessarily going to throw him back in. I've been skeptical of him for some time. I think he's really having a hard time understanding this and, and processing things. And for him to have been out the entire year and then to say, well, he's, you know, he's practicing in a limited fashion. Let's just throw him in there. I don't think that's going to happen. Not saying he won't play at all or ever this season or ever again. I'm just saying, I you know, anybody that's thinking, great, he's back, so we're going to throw him in and then we're going to be great against the run. Everything's going to be perfect because he's obviously awesome. Ugh, I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Graham was limited, but that's just veteran rest. No big deal. Trying to rest him up. Really, 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 really hope he can start, you know, getting into a groove here. Blake Martinez limited with a shoulder issue. Will Redmond limited with a concussion. Otherwise, Jake Kumaro shoulder issue was full participation. Adrian Amos with a bicep issue. There's too many curls, man. He was also full participation. Y'all didn't know I spoke Mandarin, did you? Yeah. Actually grew up there in um, in, in Mandarin, Mandarin Town. Mandarin Town, China. In other news, the Green Bay Packers added Tim Williams from the um, Baltimore Ravens. I, I can't help but think, you know, this happens when they tend to come in spurts, you know, drafting at a certain position. He is an edge rusher, but he's still a linebacker. It just it just makes me wonder if if the if Brian Gutekunst and those personnel guys are looking at it saying we we've got some kind of a de- deficiency that we need to try to satisfy. And obviously we've got Milt from the Baltimore Ravens is kind of like, "All right, I got a guy in mind that maybe can handle that." As far as what we should expect from him, very little. Um, I don't think he's going to be playing. But he is there to, you know, hopefully help in some kind of a capacity. Mean, they, they've got some kind of a plan for him. But just as an overview, he spent three years with the Baltimore Ravens, um, played no more than 125 snaps, and that was in his rookie year. Generally a pretty good tackler. Um, pass rush seemingly has gotten better as far as his grade every single year. In terms of his pressure percentage, though, it's gone down every year from 11 to 10 to 8, something like that, or 9-ish. But two official sacks to his name. Both of them came in 2018. 
as far as his abilities against the run 2018 he was phenomenal 2017 he was mediocre 2019 he was horrible so again it's he's probably just got the right profile for what Patton likes and so uh Mr. Evan Bayless who the Packers cut you know essentially he's not what we're looking for so we're trying to find somebody else and we'll see what we get in Mr. Tim Williams Another little bit of news, the Dallas Cowboys actually signed Josh Jones. Clearly, this is just a attempt to bring somebody in and, and poach uh, information about the defense, about Mike Patton's defense. Um, it, it really upsets me when teams do that, except when the Packers do it, then it's, you know, obviously brilliant and awesome. But then I also realized that they're trying to understand Patton's defense through the mind of Josh Jones. This is definitely going to work in the Packers' favor. There's no question in my mind. Because that guy has no idea what Patton is trying to do. And he is going to accidentally give them a lot of wrong information. I'm kind of kidding, but um, also not the most worried. Best of luck to you, Mr. Josh Jones. I mean, to be fair, they they have been looking for safety help for some time. But um, yeah, I'm sure this is just a a fact-finding mission. Anyways, let's just take our second break. We've got to kind of squeeze this one in. Drafting causes me to be a little short on time these days. I do apologize. We'll be right back. One thing that I felt kind of obligated to remind everybody about, because the the narrative seems to be that the Packers offense is kind of picking up a little bit, but the defense is, is not good, especially the run defense. It's just really bad. And so it's a matter of the, the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to be able to steamroll the Packers defense. It's just a matter of can the Packers defense keep up, which is interesting Because it sounds like what most people are describing is what would happen if the 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 20 whatever defenses or offenses or teams from the Green Bay Packers are playing the Dallas Cowboys. Now, also interesting in that is the fact that even despite the fact that that would be true several years ago, um, we still beat the Cowboys a lot. Now, we did not play them in 2018 when the Packers were at their worst, but let's not pretend 2017 was the greatest year in history. The Packers' defense via PFF was ranked 20th overall, 31st in coverage. Pretty good run defense, but one of the worst coverage units in the NFL. Packers won 35-31. The next time they played in the playoffs, 34-31. Both of those were played in Dallas. Now, I'll grant you the Packers' run defense hasn't been great, but as I've been saying, the Packers' run defense is not as bad as what we saw last week. Again, that was a week in which Kenny Clark played maybe the worst game of his entire career. I don't think that that duplicates. I don't think that happens a second time. I think you have a lot of people who are making a lot of silly mistakes, like going in the wrong gaps. These are all things, as I said, that are going to be put up on tape. They're going to be put up on the projector. Mike Patton is going to scream at a lot of people who hopefully are going to learn their lesson and understand that you don't go there, you go there. Again, that's one of the benefits of making a lot of mistakes in one game. You learn from it. But I, I just feel like people forget that prior to last week, the Packers, I think, had the second highest graded defense in the NFL. I, f- I just feel like people forget that. I want to make sure that we're on the same page and we all remember that. Now, I don't know exactly how this is all going to get laid out, but I know Tyler Lancaster is very, very good against the run. I hope we see a lot of him. I know we want to get a lot of interior pass rush and all that kind of stuff, but I, I'm okay with letting Preston and Zadarius tee off a little bit, maybe bringing a couple exotic blitzes from the outside or from, from the linebackers, and, and leaving a guy like Tyler Lancaster and Kenny Clark in to just kind of hold it down in the middle. I know we're not we're, we're a little early to be talking about strategy, but I, I'm more or less just pointing out that Tyler Lancaster and Kenny Clark are very, very good against the run. And in fact, Kingsley Kiki only played one game so far and only had five snaps in the run game. 
but he was pretty good. In a week in which everybody was struggling, he was our fourth best run defender on the entire team. Actually, that's a lie. He is currently our fourth best run defender on the entire team. Small sample size, but that's what it is right now. So that's encouraging. A lot of people want to talk about Montrevious. I'm, you know, overall he's he's the only player he's better against in the run than is Jair. In other words, he's the second worst run defender on our entire team. Now that's primarily because he's only played two games and one of them was just absolutely horrible. The other one was fine, but I just don't want to get too caught up in the uh, everything's going to be fine now because Montrevious is back. That seems to be a lot of people's mantra, and I think that's a little silly. But again, it's not just that. I mean, you look at guys like Adrian Amos. They, he really struggled against the run. He doesn't struggle against the run. He had a bad day. You know, Kevin King is, is, has been pretty consistent in run support. He was ter- he was the worst run defender on the entire team. Dean Lowry was horrific. I know that's not his primary thing, but he's never been that bad against the run. Darnell Savage was terrible. Adrian Amos, these guys have been pretty helpful against the run. Kenny Clark is not going to be that bad again. Again, Rashawn Gary, I know he's a rookie. I know he's raw. I don't know that we necessarily can count on him, but that's all he did in Michigan was blow up run plays. We saw him, I think it was week one, just absolutely savage offensive linemen, just literally guys doing backwards somersaults because Gary's just going right into their chest. We we just need to get back to that. It's not a matter of, of this thing is trash, we need to tear it down and rebuild it. We just have to get back to what we were in week one. You know, Blake Martinez was terrible against the run. Not that he's really an elite run defender anymore. I, since Petten came in, he's kind of struggled, but he, he was better the week prior against the Broncos. He was fantastic. I don't know what the deal was. Preston Smith, one of, a great run defender, really struggled in this game. I mean, again, there were only two players that were even quote-unquote good against the run, B.J. Goodson and Will Redmond, which, by the way, it, it, very encouraging that B.J. Goodson had a good, you know, very limited sample size, but encouraging because we might need his help. But I, again, I'm just tr- I just want to remind everybody because I feel like we're kind of not seeing things properly. Now, if they play the same way they did against the Eagles, we could be in trouble. Not saying we will be. I, I think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott is. I think the offensive line for the Eagles, especially run blocking, is better than the offensive line for the Cowboys, at least as it stands now. Fully healthy, give me the Cowboys, especially pass blocking. But the, the Eagles right now, the way that they played, that was that was a thing of beauty. And so, again, just trying to keep things in perspective, I think the Packers lost to the Eagles because things were horrible. The defense played one of the worst games that, I mean, as, on an individual level. You, you're not going to see very many games where Kenny Clark plays that bad. You're not going to see games where Preston plays that bad, especially against the run. Amos, a lot of these guys, they, they haven't played that bad. That was just ugly for a lot of guys to have their worst performance on the same day and to barely lose. So we got the defense playing one of the worst games they've they've played and and probably hopefully they're not we're not going to see a game like that again and then you also factor in the fact that we could not run the ball even a little bit which is pathetic because the Eagles run defense is not that great by the way Dallas and the Eagles basically tied in run defense actually they're literally tied they're both 18th right now but Dallas is probably better the Eagles probably went up to 18th after they just completely destroyed the 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 Green Bay Packers but but again that's an area where we should expect some growth and I don't know how good this offensive line is going to be some of these guys might just need to be replaced but you know you should expect some level of growth as we as the understanding of this thing kind of grows the the idea that the Packers offensive line and and blocking in general from the wide receivers and tight ends is going to be this bad all year I mean we're, we're just doomed if we can never run the ball if Aaron Jones is held to less than 2 yards of carry all year long I mean it's I don't know what we're going to do but coming at it from a much more optimistic standpoint, if the defense even gets back to what it has been for the first three weeks, even a little bit, and the offense 
the passing game continues to improve, which it has for four straight weeks, and if the run game can take even a half a step forward, I, I, I don't think we should be as nervous about this game as we are. And I say we because I, it seems to be a general consensus that the feeling that I have in the pit of my stomach seems to be reflective of what I'm seeing out there um, on Twitter and Facebook. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of fans saying we're going to win, we're going to dominate, and that's great. I'm going to be saying that too. But th- this feels like a really, really, really tough game. And Dallas is good, there's no question. It just, I don't know, it, 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 it's tough to feel a sense of confidence because I think even in the past when we had bad defenses, you always felt like the offense was just unstoppable. And we don't necessarily feel that way. And it's kind of like we don't know how to feel about the offense. We don't know how to feel about the defense. So, again, I'm just trying to put things into perspective. We still have Aaron Rodgers. He played one of the best games I've seen him play in a very long time last week. Some of those passes were just unbelievable. Um, Again, going back and watching the the tape as I did, uh, as much as it hurts to not have Devontae, guys were getting open the entire game. If Aaron Rodgers can find them, and if we can block long enough to to keep him clean so that he can find them, I don't think that that's going to be as big of a hindrance as it as it needs to it's it's going to stink it's going to it's going to hurt but it's not like we shouldn't be able to throw the ball so we'll we'll see how it goes i mean to be honest it feels a little bit like the bears game felt and and how did that go you know we marched into soldier field there was a lot of energy there was a lot of noise and uh, what was it it was the defense that rose to the occasion and so let's let's hope for that you know we, we what were we saying for the first 3 weeks it it's it's such a good feeling to know we have a defense that can rise up in big situations and big games and actually win games for us the defense had one bad week, and all of a sudden it's like, well, the defense isn't going to win for us. We, how do you know? How do you know the defense isn't going to rise up and shut down Dallas to help us win this game? We don't know that. And I think it's a little silly that we're, and I'm, I'm not saying everyone is, it's just a little silly that a lot of people want to count it out, especially in the national media. Like, I don't know how the defense is going to shut this down. Worst defense, worst run defense in the history of the world going up against the greatest running back in the world, which is just a flat-out lie. It's a very good running back running behind an elite offensive line, and I can tell you right now, if they if these injuries hold up, I'm feeling real good about it because I don't know if Dak is going to have as much success. He, he still could because the run defense has been pretty porous. But even at that, it, it, I think that's overstated. If you go back and look at the Minnesota Vikings game, they bottled up Dalvin Cook a good amount. It's just that when he got free, he got really, really free. So his yards per carry was, was really high. His yards overall were high. But on a snap-by-snap basis, you saw a lot of not going anywhere. So that that was more a matter of the, you needed to clean up and take away the big plays, not so much a matter of they could run at will. And then the Bears couldn't run anywhere. So through the first two weeks, um, I don't really recall what happened with Denver. I mean, Phillip Lindsay had 3.9 yards per carry. Royce Freeman had 4.2. Man, they had Phillip Lindsay ran 21 times and Freeman ran 15 times. 36 carries that's a lot of carries and that's that's not that I mean 81 yards and 63 big deal I don't I don't know man I don't know if I'm necessarily buying the whole this run defense is terrible I'm not saying it's good I'm not saying it's elite there's some issues here but also remember that the Packers are playing basically dime defense 24-7 they're sitting out there with one linebacker the Eagles being better against the run with with four down linemen and three linebackers compared to the Packers run defense where you got um four down linemen and one linebacker yeah I'm, I'm sorry I'm not not going to call that apples to apples I don't know I, I mean the Bears couldn't run the Vikings didn't run all that well except again for those really big gainers and then Philip Lindsay had 3.9 yards of carry which I, I guess is kind of a lot in 4.2 I mean I guess I mean in total it's 144 yards that's kind of a lot but what is that like four 4.1 yards of carry in total and again we're playing dime defense 
basically saying you can run if you want, but we're not going to let you pass, and we didn't. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just, I'm, I'm not going to just run with this national media narrative because all they're doing is looking at the stats. Right, they got a lot of stuff to cover. They got the entire NFL to cover. So they look at yards per carry. They look at total yards. They look at all these other rankings, and they go, "Oh yeah, the Packers' run defense is terrible." And you look at Ezekiel Elliott. You know, they're probably just looking at their fantasy stuff and seeing that the Packers' run defense gives up the most points. You know, Ezekiel's getting a bunch of points. Oh man, Packers are in trouble. Um, and again, I don't think it's a, a very good run defense, but I, I think this is wildly overstated. And what we need is for guys to get back to being what they already are, as opposed to we need to find some kind of magical solution. If Amos plays up to the level that he usually does, if Kenny Clark, if all those guys that I've listed, if Savage plays like he had the first three weeks or four weeks, three weeks, doesn't make sense to say four. You know, if everybody just plays on average the same kind of way that they played against the first, you know, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Broncos, first of all, we, we beat the Eagles by a lot if that happens. And second of all, I think we beat the Cowboys. So, anyways, I got to wrap this up. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll begin talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Have a good one. Bye-bye.